it's okay for me to live my life knowing that there's something else coming because I live with one foot in gratitude and the other in desire. Hi, friend. Welcome to Gather and Growth, a show created for passionate, growth-focused, rural women like you. From mindset work and building strong habits to exploring the unique joys and challenges of living rural, this is a show to leave you feeling joyful, inspired, and a little less alone. Together, we're on a journey of reaching for the most confident, healthy, and authentic version of ourselves, and I'm forever grateful to have you by my side. Whether you're currently running on a back road, shuffling kids to town, hopping along for a tractor ride, or three loads deep into folding laundry, grab yourself a nice coffee and let's dive in. All right, friends, welcome back to Gathering Growth. Today, I am sitting down with a new friend, Molly Knuth. We were connected through Jill Carr, my podcast manager, and basically a couple of weeks ago, she came to me and said, oh my gosh, Emily, you have got to get to know Molly because you guys have so much in common and you will be able to talk endlessly. So I am very excited to get to know Molly and hear more of her story and what she's doing in the world and just the incredible insight and wisdom that she has to share with us today. So thank you, Molly. Welcome to Gather and Growth. Thank you so much for having me. You are too kind. As you introduced, my name is Molly Knuth. I live in Cascade, Iowa, so we are in the eastern side of the state. I have a small farmstead. I don't know. Maybe it's not called a farmstead, but with my husband, four kids, we have cows, chickens. Sometimes we have the neighbor dog who lives here with us for days at a time. You know, cats, horses. We've got the whole thing here. So I guess my story goes back to my undergrad at the University of Northern Iowa, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went to college. I was an undecided major for a couple of years, and then I ended up taking one of those personality assessments in the office because I was like, I needed to declare something, and I had no idea what that was going to be. So I took one of those personality assessments, and it told me, you would be a really good teacher. And up to that point, I thought, teacher's like a preschool instructor, and I don't, I don't know if I want to deal with young kids all the time. But then I started thinking about it a little more. And I thought, you know, I have been in leadership in various capacities up to that point. And I always loved writing and reading. And so I began to pursue the degree of reading language arts instruction to middle and high school students. And after I got that degree, I married my husband shortly thereafter. We started our family. I got a job back in our hometown teaching just the position I always thought I always wanted. And then we found ourselves pregnant with our third baby in three years. And so it was time to make a big decision. And I decided to stay home with the kids, which was something I always wanted to do. So I was very happy to do that. But after a couple of years, I was starting to feel that like inner inner knowing, you know, that it's like something else is out there. And I began looking for other opportunities in our small town for ways that I could really stretch myself and also provide some additional income for the family. And so I started working with some admin duties and tasks for my cousin and my dad who had started a business of their own. And part of that was managing a Facebook page. And back in 2016 at this time, that was kind of a new concept for businesses in small towns. And so it gathered a lot of attention. And one business 
became two businesses, became three, four, five in the span of about six months. And in early 2017, I founded Molly Knuth Media, which was helping at that time, small towns, small businesses market themselves better online. And in the years that have passed since, we've added team members, we've added ways to help small town business owners. I've again stretched and grown myself into new avenues, primarily helping women now as they're pursuing their business goals. And along the way, just like making great connections and having fantastic conversations with people like you. So thank you for having Mm -hmm. me. I did not realize that that was your story. I'm constantly amazed the number of people I get connected to that were like, oh yeah, I have a background in education. (laughs) <laughs> like, do we, do we all just find each other somehow? <laughs> hey, you were a teacher too? Yeah, I taught fourth grade for five years. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think there's something about education. And when I was making that jump from like being a stay-at-home mom to considering this marketing job, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur or business owner. I seriously never took a business class in my life. And when I was making that jump, to considering having my own business, it really took some mindset work. And I was like, well, you know what? Marketing isn't that much of a stretch from getting kids excited about reading The Odyssey or Romeo and Juliet. I really had to have some marketing skills. But like you, there are so many women I've been connected to who have Mm -hmm. education in their background, and then they've gone on to do some entrepreneurial endeavors. And I really do think that as educators, we had training in a variety of areas that all really do just drill down to the fact of serving people. And that makes us well positioned for roles in this industry. Yeah, I think that a really common thought, which I think is being dismantled in real time, but I think back to to five or six years ago in education is so many people I was surrounded by were, were like, well, if I'm not a teacher, what am I? Like, all I know how to do is teach. I don't have any skills that transfer. When in reality, like, You said like we had to do and process so many things at one time, like public speaking, nailed it. Long-term planning along with like minute by minute decision making and the way you scaffold for students is not that different than the way you interact with different clients. And there are just so many ties between what I learned in the classroom and everything I've done since then. So I just think it's absolutely incredible. And I would be very interested to like research what the uh, the education to entrepreneurship pipeline looks like. I Because there's something to that. There's something there. Yeah. It's like once we realize, oh, wait, I actually can do all of these things and so much more. Like, I'm just going to make it happen. And that's what we do. We as teachers, like we get scrappy and we make something out of nothing. Yeah. No one can read the room like a teacher, like the skills of knowing, okay, there's, they look like they're looking at me, but there's a disconnect behind those eyes. We better get up and move our bodies or something, you know, like Mm -hmm. you get such great people skill development. Yeah. And like you said, that, that heart to serve, but in being able to just look at things from so many different perspectives. Okay. So the work that you're doing now, tell us more about what it even means to have a media company. How do you help the business owners that you work with at this point? Oh, yes. This is, we could talk about this for an hour, Emily, but (laughs) honestly, um, it started. So back in 2017, really, I was helping business owners tell their story on social media, which at that time was primarily through Facebook. And the realm of social media back in 2017, I kind of refer to now as social media 1.0. Like we could put a picture out, we could have a nice filter on it, put together a caption, and it would 
garner likes and traction and all that. And I feel that now we are in the realm of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok 2.0 because we know that it needs to be a little bit more intentional and strategic than it used to be. So back in the day, like I said, it was helping business owners just tell their story because at that time, so many small business owners out there were used to traditional marketing avenues like billboards, phone books, flyers, very one-sided marketing, which I still do think there's a place for. But back at that time, I saw a lot of business owners trying to take what they did for their traditional marketing methods. And instead of building community, which is what social media was really built for, it was, here's my products and services. Here's the price. Now come buy from me, which is not what people were coming to social media to do. So it really did at that point take helping my business owner clients understand that they had a lot of value. People were interested in what was going on behind the scenes just as much or more than the products and services themselves and unpacking how we present that and format that for that audience. Today in 2022 and beyond, I think that we're still working with business owners on how to create intentional content, but for a different reason, because right now there are so many options and we've all been so exposed to the volume of content that's out there that we think we need to do it all. So I feel that now the challenge in this 2.0 world of social media is to drill down on what is the types of content and the platforms that I should create that my specific audience is interested in. And so what we do here at MKM is we will do strategy with our clients to help them figure out what are those platforms and what are the best ways to connect with your audience online. And then we can help create content. So we can create social media content. I also have a graphic designer on staff. So she helps Canva templates look fantastic. Uh, We can help with things like we have a podcast producer on our staff too, and really just helping small town, small business owners, like I said, primarily women these days, but have access to a variety of ways to create content for the digital sphere that they didn't have access to before. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that you touched on that is something that I've really been thinking about is just how to show up with intention or even use social media with intention. And I know I've seen a post of yours where you talked about this of Like, are you just blindly opening your phone to scroll or are you showing up with a purpose? And I think that's multifaceted both as like a consumer and also as a business owner. So I would love if you could speak to kind of what you're seeing and your best advice or thoughts on on social media consumption. Yes. So I think, don't get me wrong, I am a social media consumer too. There are times like, you know, after the kids go to bed and I just want to zone out for a little bit. And so I'll open TikTok and just like scroll for a little while. But I do feel that sometimes we as like from the business owner side of things, sometimes we can get so caught up in the launching or the talking about our sales and services that we can forget that there are people on the other side of the screen. So we might think we have intention to show up and say, this is what I'm talking about today. But we really sometimes get into this habitual consumption or habitual content creation that similar to how I was talking before about in the early days of social creating from a one-sided perspective. I feel like we kind of do that sometimes now. And I'm guilty of it myself. I caught myself doing that this past summer. And I was like, creating content, creating content, but it wasn't really landing. 
and I wasn't getting like the warm fuzzies about it. And I wasn't getting the amount of like DMs or comments that I had been in the past. And it wasn't until I went to a conference here in Eastern Iowa for women in business and I was in the room and I was like, it just caught me. Like I connected with so many of these women that when I came into this room, I didn't even feel like any of them were strangers. And for most of those people, I hadn't met them before, but I had connected with them on Instagram in a way that made me feel like we already knew each other. And it was something in that day that really clicked and it made me say, oh yeah, Molly, this is what it's all about. It's about the people and the friendships and the connections. And from that point in August, 2022, I kind of shifted my perspective on social media creation, even as someone in the profession. But then I started really creating with that community first, value driven, like Mm -hmm. again, like, you know, sometimes we do that, but sometimes we catch ourselves falling out of it. But I was like, this is what the difference maker is. And I began just sharing stories and going back to not necessarily being trendy with reels creation or trending audio, but really just saying, you know what, this might not be trending, but it's a message from the heart. And I know there's someone on the other side who needs to hear this tonight. And when I started showing up like that, it wasn't just for my accounts. I started doing that for clients too. And it was like we flipped a switch and all of a sudden it was like people were thirsty for this like heart driven content. And sometimes it does feel really as a consumer of social media, like there isn't a connection. And so by providing this opportunity, creating opportunities to connect, have conversation, it was like night and day for both like how I approach social media, how I was feeling when I spent time there. And then in my business, people were coming to me saying like, how can I work with you? And so I was like, this is what people want. It's been so fun. Yeah. Can you give an example of maybe what that looks like for you or how you would encourage a business owner to integrate that approach? Because I I hear you say that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've tried that and it's still, you know, not working or it's not landing. So like, what were those specific steps that you took or or the strategy that you used to really build out content that felt good and did build on those connections? Great question. So I first started by saying, okay, I want to share a story every day for 30 days. And some of these stories might be profound maybe, but many of them are just going to be very simple and relatable. And by setting that intention, and I will like shocker, I didn't make it the full 30 days, but had I not set for that 30 days, I wouldn't even have hit the 20 that I did. So I just, I set that intention that I wanted to show up and tell stories. So in my head, I was like, okay, think from a storytelling perspective, think from a storytelling perspective. And in my notes app of my phone, I just started listing out all of these random stories that I would tell to a girlfriend across the table. And some of them were very silly. Like I shaved off my eyebrow one time by accident and I had an appointment to get to right afterwards. So what did I do? Um, Some of them were a little more profound, like a time when my business had to go on pause because our daughter was in the hospital. But there was, it kind of ran the gamut, but I just kept a running list. And then the more I looked for opportunities to tell stories, the more I found them and Mm. I started getting more creativity around it. So it was having that running list, knowing that everything could be turned into a story. And seriously, for any listener out there who has a business, I talked to just earlier today about my mascara and 
people have been showing up in droves in my inbox, sharing their mascara favorites. So it's just looking around you and knowing that people are interested not just in what you do, mm-hmm. but also in the person you are. And that can be hard from like someone who maybe has like from a personal branding perspective, everything can be a story. Everything can be content. If you have brick and mortar kind of business, then that might be a little harder to digest. But really, everything around you is a story. And I would advise you keep a running list of anything that you have thought about in the past that could be possible content, any stories that you tell people when they come in, frequently asked questions and answers that you have for those. And I always dig into what is like your business origin story. People love that. When was there a time that you delivered for a customer or client and it was just something that you'll never forget? When was a time that you had a challenge and you overcame it? When was a time that you had a failure and you learned from it? All of that are storytelling opportunities that speak to the human experience and people will respond viscerally when you show up with those messages. And when you say telling stories, I want to make the distinction, do you mean in like Instagram stories or through uh, a picture or a reel or a, a short video? Like what modality do you find to be the most effective in building those connections? Thank you for asking that because yes, that is a very important distinction to make. So when I'm talking about telling stories, I'm meaning any kind of formatting, regardless of Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I'm just telling a story like we would have thought of it years ago. Having something that happened, it has a beginning, middle, and end. There are characters. It doesn't have to be super formal, but you at least know who are the active parties, what did they do, and what did they learn as a result. And so that can be told in an Instagram story, but it also could be told in a reel. Right now, if you're listening to it, this at the end of 2022, it's really a popular formatting decision if you tell a story over the course of several graphics that you Mm -hmm. put together into a carousel on Instagram and people can swipe and read different parts of the story. That just has really taken off in the latter part of this year, and it's something I'm seeing everywhere, but it's really a great tool to get engagement if you present your story in that graphic format that people can swipe through. There's something about bringing people together that feels magical. There's an intangible energy that comes from having a like-minded, passionate community together in one space. We are truly made to be together. Whether as an MC, workshop host, or keynote speaker, My goal is to make your attendees feel seen, included, and ready to take action on their big dreams. I am now booking my 2023 speaking calendar. Click the link in the show notes or hop on over to emilyrushell.com to learn more and book me for your upcoming conference, meeting, or retreat. So it sounds like over the past several years, like your business has been going through quite the evolution. What changes or shifts have you made to grow right alongside of it and therefore even even grow the business? Oh, that's such a good question. And I think everybody listening can speak to the fact that the person that they were five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, maybe even one year ago, you're not the same person now. We as people grow and evolve and change. And I feel like it's a hard thing to go through sometimes. 
And I feel that it's even more compounded when you have a business because you set out, you have these goals, you make your decision, plant your flag in the ground and you say, this is what I want to be known for. And then a couple of years later, you're like, maybe I want to be known for something different. And that can feel really overwhelming and scary to navigate. So one thing that I did starting off that I didn't even know I was doing in the moment, to be honest, in 2018 was when Facebook released live video for the first time. And I had been reading some industry news just to kind of keep myself fresh. Personal development and professional development are my jam. Like if I could get paid to sample people's courses and give them feedback, like sign me up because I love that stuff. But anyway, so back in 2018, Facebook released live video for the first time. And I was hearing from industry experts on social media that this was a very favored format in the algorithm. So just as a way to test it out myself, I started showing up with weekly live videos and I would talk to other small business owners who wanted to use Facebook as a tool for their business marketing and just give them some quick tips. And I did that once a week. And that really turned into its own thing and kind of established me as a thought leader in my local area anyway. And it just kind of positioned me as someone who knew what the cutting edge marketing was. And she was the resource for anybody who wanted to learn that. And like I said, at the time, I really just set out to try out this Facebook Live thing. But then it was the perfect combination of my new field of social media and my experience as a teacher. And it allowed me to position myself as a thought leader, even though I didn't know I was doing that. So by positioning myself like that and by developing what I also didn't know was a personal brand, having something like that allows you the room to evolve and shift as you grow. So when I am making some adjustments here at Molly Knuth Media, like when we started adding services or when I am maybe less involved in the one-on-one like social media day-to-day content development, but I'm leading group programming or I have coaching opportunities, by still positioning ourselves as an industry leader in this arena, I have the room to kind of navigate and grow alongside. But again, it's coming back to like personal, professional development. And then I really just take my followers along with whatever I'm learning. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. So you said you work primarily with female entrepreneurs. What does it look like to help them tap into their potential and really grow their businesses? I know you said you're you're very into like energies and getting in tune with like what means to be in alignment for you, which I am so here for that. So I would love to hear your perspective. So in the earlier days of my business, I knew the strategies that it took to take a business and help it be seen on social media, help it get found. And I, when I was working one-on-one with clients, I could help them achieve that. Then there were times I would do a group program and I'd say, okay, here's the way to do it. And I'd lay it out in a list, but there was still something that like, it didn't translate. I'm like, you're doing the exact same things as me. Why are we not seeing the same or similar results? And so Mm -hmm. I've constantly been on a quest to figure out what is that thing? And in the past year, especially, I feel like, I found it, but I'm only surface level. But it's really coming into, and I use the tool of human design to help with this, but it's really tapping into what are those things that you are lit up by? What are those skills and gifts that you are uniquely positioned and able to do? And 
like accepting and allowing that to be the way that you present yourself instead of trying to show up as someone else, use someone else's blueprint. It's really saying, here's what I know I can do. Here's what I am good at. And I'm going to use that to elevate myself. So for me, human design has been a game changer because it allows us to know what is your strategy going forward? Are you meant to be in the more masculine energy and you're action oriented? Are you someone who needs a little bit more feminine energy in your approach? For a long time, I was a very, I'm a high achiever. I'm an Enneagram three. I want to do all the things and do it just so. But I also found myself getting tired very quickly after I'd like achieved these things. I'm like, okay, I need to go like rest for two days. And what I've learned is that I'm not built to be like all masculine energy all the time. I need Mm -hmm. to give myself rest. I need to have those moments. And just by like being able to have language and unpack that about myself has been so helpful. So now I take that into my one-on-one client experiences when we're working in like a social media coaching capacity, especially, and being able to know that about a person going into it, I can help tailor the strategies that will work with them and the strategies that like, you know, it wouldn't magnetize people, it would actually repel them because it's not within their unique gift. So I really do feel that it's a mix of strategy and energy. It's an art and a science and everybody's is different. So I really do think that as female entrepreneurs, knowing what's working right now, having a finger on the pulse or having a resource that you can go to that says this is what's working on social media right now is step one. Step two is knowing about yourself, having that self-awareness, whether it's a human design component or an Enneagram or there's a whole bunch of other ones. But then knowing especially like what what is aligned with you in those strategies that are working right now and what is out of alignment and honoring that you're not going to be aligned with every single thing that's trending. Yeah, I love that so much. I think a question that just keeps coming up on this show is like getting clear on what you actually want to not be copying and pasting someone else's method or strategy or dreams or goals or lifestyle or anything. Cause that's when we reach this point of frustration when we try to emulate or copy and paste someone else. And we just feel like we're, you know, running through a brick wall. But when we can be more in tune with ourselves, whether, like you said, I recently jumped on the human design rabbit hole and I am here for it. But before that was the Enneagram. And of course, like you said, there's a million different personality typing systems that all have their same nuance. But as I do all of these different things, I see so many overlaps. So it doesn't matter what you start with, but just to deeper understand who you are, what your strengths are, how you tick, and then how to build a life or business that plays into that. So it's just, it's easier. It's like you're not creating a path of resistance and then expecting to have results that feel good. And I think that that's totally an exploration and it's a process, right? Mm -hmm. So when I started my business, I set out And I had a five-year and a 10-year plan. And when I got to my five years in business, I had hit a lot of those targets that I outlined. And so then in the second five years, I'm like starting, I was starting to feel more resistance and coming back to that same question that you just shared, what do I actually want? And Mm -hmm. it's constantly knowing that you evolve because some of the things that I thought were my 10-year plan, you know what? I don't think they are anymore. I think that 
life keeps showing me and my body, like now I know the signs of like where I'm feeling out of alignment. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know that five years ago, but I'm learning it now. And it's like, okay, this is how it feels when my body's trying to tell me, "Um, Molly, hi, I'm your intuition here. And we don't think that this fits for you anymore. I'm sure all of us have had times where we got presented with an opportunity or an idea and it's like, okay, I could take that. It would be like a great, a great opportunity for my name to get out there or a great additional paycheck to come in. But there's just something about it that like we get a little bit of a red flag. And if we choose to ignore that red flag somewhere down the line, we can say, oh, shoot, I knew that this Mm -hmm. wasn't going to work out. And we've also probably had those opportunities fall on our plate where we're like, I never expected this to happen. It feels so good. I'm excited. And so we take that on and it turns out to be better than we ever expected. But we have those little like signs that our body's telling us if it's a red flag or if it's an indication to go a green light. And it's constantly understanding that we're going to evolve and that we just need to trust ourselves that we have the right answer for that. Mm, the more that I learn about, which this is so like when you say it out loud, it's like, duh, but the connection between our physicality and like our emotions and uh, the things that we're mentally processing, like I don't understand why for so long we have been so disconnected from the what feels like different parts of ourselves, but is really all one and the same. And like how much our physical body is trying to tell us in all of the million ways we have been conditioned to ignore that. Oh, I know it. I could learn about this stuff forever and never get bored. It's so intriguing. Yeah. yeah. So I know, uh, you know, you're in a small town and your your roots began as working with small town business owners. Is that still primarily who you work with? Short answer to your question. Yes. Primarily, my the people I work with are still small town, small business owners. But I was just working with a client the other day and we were working in a one-on-one capacity and she was making a big shift and she was going through some personal and professional changes. And she said, you know, it's like, it's so hard because I'm from such a small town and I feel like when I walk in places, people know everything about me or they think they know Mm -hmm. everything about me, even if it's not true. And I said, you know, that is definitely a challenge that I think a lot of us in small towns have experienced. Mm -hmm. And also in the same breath, those are the same things that carry you through in the hard times when you have a huge family emergency or you're just going through a struggle those are the people who are going to show up with casseroles. Those are the people who are going to say, hey, can I take your kids? Those are the people who are going to start a fundraiser for your, on your behalf. So there are definitely moments where you feel as a small town person that like, you know, it can be a struggle, but it can definitely be so beautiful too. And those are the people that I love to serve. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that for a really long time, there was this unspoken or maybe spoken expectation that if you wanted to do big things, you had to leave your small town and go to the city. And, you know, it was one or the other. And I am just seeing like an entire evolution of women in rural communities, in small towns who are really tapping into themselves and building thriving businesses that they love. And I just, I know that you talk about this too, of just reevaluating what it means to live and work in small towns. I really do feel like you, that there's something right now, especially, that is causing 
I don't even know what the word would be like a rebirth or rejuvenation, but I think it's because we have all just gone through this collective experience, right, of the pandemic and the subsequent changes that that unrolled for all of us. And as women, I I mean, this is a very blanket statement, but I know that on my shoulders and a lot of my friends, we still were working, but it also fell on a lot of us to then have the kids at home and still keep the house maintained. And I understand that looks different for everybody. That was my experience. But I think a lot of people felt that too, because the data will show the number of women who left the traditional workforce in pursuit of either staying home or in other avenues of employment. And I truly feel that especially women today are looking for ways that they can kind of bridge the gap between work and home by finding ways to use technology, to use our skill sets that we are uniquely gifted with as women. Like data shows, we are great communicators. We are great project managers. And those are the things that we can do from home and things that we could even build our own businesses around. And I'm seeing more and more women, especially in small towns, start virtual assistant businesses or podcast production small businesses or social media small businesses. And it really is a time, I think, where we're going to look back on and we're going to say, look at the number of female entrepreneurs who got their stuff going in 2022 and 2023 because we're taking the power into our own hands and we don't have to be in a big city in order to make these big dreams happen. Amen to that. Man, preach. If you've been hanging out with me online, I know you have heard about the personalized habit challenge, You Do You 82, that I created a few years ago. And I love You Do You 82. But right now, I'm currently walking through a season of healing and growth where I need something just a little bit shorter to focus on. So I created a new challenge. It's really just a little sister to You Do You 82, and I'm calling it You Do You 32. It is a challenge when 82 days just feels a little impossibly long. It was created for the times when you need an attainable boost to get back to feeling like yourself again. For this challenge, I invite you to choose habits to support your physical and mental health that you can realistically do every day for 32 days. The purpose of this challenge is to get in the reps of doing the things that help you feel like your best, healthiest self. For more information, go ahead and click that link in the show notes. For someone who is like, they're hearing you say this and they're like, oh my gosh, I resonate with that so deeply. Where would you recommend someone even begin if they either have the inclining to start something or maybe grow something where the seed has been planted? How would you coach them through that process? It's probably going to surprise no one that I'm going to say that it begins with starting with your self-awareness and knowing who you are, what you're uniquely gifted with, what you enjoy. And there's this model which model probably isn't even the right word, but it's called Ikigai. I think it's rooted back in Japanese uh, culture, Mm -hmm. but it's the intersection of what you can do really well, what you enjoy, what the world needs, and what you'll get paid for. And we Mm -hmm. need all four of those things to start a sustainable business because we can really be passionate about something, but if it's not something that's going to give us a sustainable income, that's not really a job, that's more of a hobby. And like, you know, similarly, when we connect any of those four realms, it's 
like it's finding the balance and it's going to take a while before we find that exact perfect thing that has us working in the intersection of all four of those. But I think just starting with maybe that concept and that framework can help you get started. And I also think that with this gift of social media and the internet, we can connect with people from literally anywhere who have either done something that we're interested in or that would like mentor or coach us through that process. And I really do think it's knowing yourself and then getting creative and getting scrappy and really honestly having the guts to just do some cold reach outs to people, but coming from a genuine place and saying, hey, I'm really interested in potentially starting my own business in social media. I don't know the first thing about it, but Molly, would you give me a couple pointers? And I really do feel that there's most people would say, oh my gosh, sure, here's what I learned. And Mm -hmm. I really do think it's just putting yourself out there like that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And getting connected with people. I have said that time and time again is like we have the ability to build friendships and working relationships with people across the country and beyond who understand what our life looks like being in small towns, being in in rural communities, and also are like-minded in what it means to pursue personal development or build a business or start creating content or whatever that looks like. And it sounds so simple to just say, reach out and ask a question and treat them like you would any other person, like treat them like a friend and these beautiful relationships blossom and we have so much to learn and grow from each other. And I think that's just the biggest blessing of doing the kind of work that we're doing right now. Oh my gosh. And I will say there's, so like back, it was probably 2018 there somehow on Instagram, I came across an account. She was a young mom. She was building a coaching business and she had been in social media marketing like I was. And there was something in her I don't know what it was, but I was like, I need to follow this person. And so I was listening to her video trainings. She eventually started a podcast. Then she had some courses that I took. And she has become like a great mentor for me. And I've been following and then like walking alongside her during some of that trajectory. And without the ability of social media to find her, and then without me like, I took the leap and I've reached out to her. Now she and I like, we'll send voice memos to one another. I'm not in any of her coaching containers right now, but the other day I sent her a voice memo with a celebration and she's like, Molly, oh my gosh. And she like celebrated it with me and she's like a big name now. And since knowing her, like now I've connected with some other people and it's like, it's that personal development and like where you are right now you can be super, super happy and still feel like there's something more. There's that like tug that you're pursuing. And so it's looking at what is that next level that I, who's the woman I'm becoming? What's that next level I want to get to? And then knowing that, just as you said, the people that are out there, like they want to connect on a human level. They're real people too. And so it's, I don't think you need to limit yourself And don't say like, oh, it's available for her, but it's never available for me. It wouldn't be because I'm in this small town or because of this, that, or the other thing. Not true. Look at these women as if it's available to them, it's available to me too. And just do the reach out and make those networking connections. And I can't tell you the number of positive things that have happened to me as a result of just what you said, like making those connections and networking. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I love what you said also, like if it's, it's available to her, it's possible for me. I think it's easy to, to look at social media and be like, oh, she's so lucky or I could never do that. And the truth is like, we live and exist in an abundant, abundant universe. And if someone else is doing something that we admire, they're showing us that it's possible. And so reframing that and having to figure out what those steps are, because obviously it's also easy to look and be like, oh, that's impossible. Well, she didn't start yesterday. She's been doing it for five or 10 years or, you know, whatever. Um, And so following those breadcrumbs of how did she get from, from where she started to where she is now and trusting the process and trusting ourselves enough to know what that looks like for us. Oh, and something you just said really stuck out. And so I don't want to come on here sounding like a Pollyanna about like social media. Like it's all great all the time, every day. Because there are definitely days where I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not as far as she is. Or, you know, you can't fall into that comparison trap. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think to your point that you just made, being realistic, and which I feel like can be the downfall of social media sometimes, it's like that time that it takes to grow a business or to reach goals can look from the outside like it took days, when in reality, the steps to get to that point take years. And so I do think the biggest thing I see as a potential downfall, particularly for women building businesses, is to not discredit the gift of time. And it can take longer than what you want it to take. But in the process, you are learning lessons that will serve you so much better down the road. So that just jumped out to me when you were saying that. And I was like, yes, I do need to say like, it's, it takes time to build stuff and we can think it's an overnight success, but it's usually not. Yeah. Well, and it can feel so frustrating in the seasons where you're like, I know that the only way through this is through this. <laughs> and I know that I am learning mm-hmm. the lessons in real time that someday I will be able to speak to and that will help me, but there's no way to expedite this. There's no easy button. I have to be walking through this really complicated, messy season to get where I'm going. And it's really taken some intentionality for me to be at peace with that and try to embrace it for what it is when it just feels ugly and hard. And there's another thing that that you said that I want to speak to is that that feeling of like, everything is fine. My life is great. I'm do- I have this job that I like. I, you know, I have this family, I have good friendships, so, you know, life is good. But there's that like inner gnawing of there's something different or something else or something more. And I think that often we, we shove that down because we feel shameful for wanting something different than what we originally intended or what we worked so hard for. And the reality is like there, there's space for both. There's space for gratitude for how far we've come and all the blessing are, are around us and also opening the door and stepping into the possibility of what is yet to come because we are constantly evolving and following those, those inner knowings or those tugs or whatever you want to call them as they come is what helps us evolve into who we're meant to be. Oh, yes. So two things that I cannot, like I've learned this from other people, 
But the first thing that sticks out about that, I just completed a master class with Melanie Ann Lair. And she's somebody who I was introduced to via my friend Allie, who I referred to a little bit ago about that person who I've been like following since 2018. Mm-hmm. But in her master class, the one line that has stuck with me, even though it's been months since I finished it, the one line that stuck with me is that it's okay for me to live my life knowing that there's something else coming because I live with one foot in gratitude and the other in desire. So as I'm going through my day to day, I keep thinking to myself, I have one foot in gratitude, but the other is in desire. And so I'm giving myself that ability to say, thank you, God, thank you, universe, for everything I have. And thank you for making me the person that I am, that that I'm still striving for the next thing. Yeah. Um, so that's just a mantra that I've been keeping with me. And then the other thing, I also just, again, personal development, professional development. Mm-hmm. I read a book this summer called The Big Leap, and it just kept being one of those things that I'd never picked up, but like four or five different people this summer have referenced that book. And I was like, okay, I think I need to go pick it up. And if you don't know what this book is, it's the one with the two fish bowls on the cover, one small, one's big, and there's a goldfish like jumping from the small one into the big one. And in that book, he talks about the zone of genius. And we as people have like these four zones in our lives. We have zone of incompetence, which is something we are not good at, never meant to be good at it. Don't work there. We have the zone of competence, which means it's something we can do. We're not great at it, but we can do it. Then we have the most dangerous zone, which is the zone of excellence. It's the things that we are very capable. We are very good at. Other people see us doing them and they're like, yes, come do this for me. And they don't want you to do anything else because you're so good at it that you make everybody else's life easier and better because you're in your zone of excellence. But we're still not in our zone of genius. That's why the zone of excellence is so dangerous because we can get complacent and we can get comfortable by just doing this thing that we're good at, but we're still not feeling lit up by it. And so our big leap, that takes a lot of mindset work and a lot of inner strength and trusting ourselves is when we make that big leap to the zone of genius. Because when we leave that zone of excellence, it's going to feel scary, it's going to feel unsure, and it's going to feel like this makes zero sense to anybody else. And so that's why it's so scary. But when we make that leap to the zone of genius, we're saying, I have one foot in gratitude. I know what it's like to be excellent at something, but I still desire something bigger. And when we step into that zone of genius, it's when we get the capacity to work in a way. And work can mean things like our actual work work, or it can mean like volunteering, giving back, educating the youth. But it's when we can really work in a state that allows us to really feel like flow and we're in our purpose. And this is what we were meant to do the whole time. Hmm. I haven't heard of that book, but I am very intrigued and immediately going to go buy on Amazon, which will surprise no one. <laughs> it's like oh my, my gosh. Hobby. And there's a whole chapter about the understanding of time and talking about how like we are. And that part blew my mind too, but I was like, okay, yeah, just go get it. It's The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Very cool. Okay. So you've, you've mentioned some of the things that you're doing. If someone uh, would like to learn more about you, get connected with you, where would you like to send them? So my website is mollyknuthmedia.com. I am most active over on Instagram at mollyknuth underscore MKM is my like personal brand handle. And that's where I'm showing up all the time, telling these stories about my eyebrow getting 
buzzed off mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, or you can follow at Molly Knuth Media on Instagram. And that's where I kind of tell the story of my team and the clients we help. And that's the more professional side of the brand. Very, very cool. Okay. One final question. What does personal growth mean to you? I really feel like personal growth is that kind of comes back to like that desire to keep expanding ourselves. And it's the knowing that we are perfect as we are right now. We might have things we want to work on and we are on a quest. That's our life's goal to continue that journey to get to where we ultimately want to go. And that looks different for everybody. Some people's personal growth might be podcasts and books. Some people's might be working in their zone of genius. Some people's might be raising a family and seeing their legacy live on through their children or what they leave behind. But personal growth, I really do feel like, is that constant pursuit of the best version of ourselves and expanding into that. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. Jill was right. We have much in common and just much to talk about. And so it is always inspiring and refreshing to me to find another woman in small towns who just love what they're doing and are passionate about helping other people, especially women, live fully into what lights their heart on fire. So thank you for joining us here today. Thank you. This was so much fun. Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? I'd like to imagine this was a meaningful backyard patio kind of chat between friends sipping LaCroix at sunset. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot to share or forward this episode to a friend. You can also find me at Emily Rushel over on social to continue the conversation. It's truly a joy to hear what tidbits and takeaways made an impact on your day. As always, all links and resources mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes listed below or over at emilyrushell.com. Special thanks to my podcast manager, Jill Carr, for the time and love she puts into producing gathering growth for this community. What a blessing it is to be on this personal growth journey together. Forever grateful for you.